morning, everyone. So they pretty much just preached my whole sermon through the last song. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and you guys will be dismissed out early this morning. Uh, no, thank you guys. Uh, my name is Jeremy Hartman. If you are a guest here, I am not the normal guy up here. So if you guys decide that this dude is whack, just be patient. Come back next week. It gets better from here. Um, this morning, we are looking at how to love your neighbor. You know, we, we talk about it all the time, like, you know, yeah, everyone's your neighbor, love everyone the same. You know, the typical cliche stuff that, that we say all the time, but oftentimes we don't get to the depth of the how or the why. We just say, love your neighbor. But what does that look like? How are we supposed to respond as the church? How are we supposed to respond as individuals to who our neighbor is? And, of course, the greatest example of this is found in the parable of the Good Samaritan. So if you have your Bible, if you've got your phone, turn to Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. And this is a phrase that's been used in so many different ways. And we, we watch it on the news all the time, like, oh, a Good Samaritan saved their neighbor's kitten from the tree. Or, you know, a Good Samaritan patted someone on the back, like, good job, like, we, we, we use this all the time when, when someone else makes another person feel good. You know, it's like, oh, you did something nice for me. You're such a good Samaritan. But what if that is just the surface? What if that is actually missing the mark of what a good Samaritan is? We have the prime example here in God's word. And let us understand exactly what Jesus is saying this morning. As we are in Ephesians, it's not up on the screen, but I want to read Ephesians 5, 2. It says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let us learn how to love one another. So if you've got your word opened up, let us read. Starting in verse 25, it says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, Jesus, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life. So starting off, we got this arrogant dude coming up against Jesus like, all right, all right, you think you know a few things? Let me, I, I know the law. I'm a lawyer. I'm good at making people feel stupid and debating them. Respond to this, Jesus, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, as Jesus responds in such an elegant way, what is it written in the law? Like, you know the law. What does it say? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor. So to set up the parable, you have this conversation with the lawyer and Jesus. The lawyer trying to test Jesus to be able to justify his actions. You know, he, he upholds the law. He, he knows it front and back. Like, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, Jesus doesn't even question if he knows it. He actually hears, wants to hear it from himself what his understanding of the law is. And of course, the lawyer perfectly 
recites from Deuteronomy what the law says about loving your neighbor. And Jesus says, yeah, that's right. Do it. And of course, the lawyer trying to get out of, you know, out of a, a, a trap, so to speak, says, okay, then tell me who my neighbor is. I, I want to make sure that I'm loving the right person and everyone else, I'm good. Like, I, I'm free. Like, I, I, can, I can do what I want with the law. So then Jesus responds with how to love your neighbor. And, and I, I want you guys to do something. I know it's a little weird, and I, I want you guys to close your eyes for a minute, um, as long as you promise not to fall asleep, please. Uh, but I want you to picture this scene that Jesus is describing, because, because the lawyer and all those who are around know it super well. They, they lived where this took place. So imagine a, a kind of a deserted path. The path that this took place was a, a rocky road about 17 miles long through mountains surrounded by caves and, and, and pretty much nothing else. If, if you picture the Middle East, because this is where it takes place, this is it. You've got a long, narrow, and at night, a dark path to where if you are stuck in the middle, you are helpless on your own. So keep your eyes closed when, you, when you've got that scene and, and picture this. A certain man went down from Jerusalem, Jerusalem being the higher elevation, walking down a mountain on this treacherous path to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounding him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, keep him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So you guys can open your eyes. And Jesus says, so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him and fell, to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. He couldn't even say Samaritan. He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus says, go and do likewise. To understand how we love our neighbor, we must understand this passage. And to understand this passage, we must understand something vital, the very foundation and basis to being able to love one another. And the first point is we must understand your brokenness to understand his goodness. See, the Good Samaritan is not about us. We are not the topic of conversation here. We are not the Good Samaritan in this story. As much as we like to place ourselves like, oh, I, I help people, I take care of people, so I'm already doing this well. You've missed the point of this whole thing. 
we are the injured Jew on this path. So we must understand our brokenness to understand his goodness. And I'm not going to read through it, but I'm going to do a little double dipping into God's word and bring in another parable, which is the parable of the sower. Because it clearly lays out what brokenness looks like. So if you guys know of the parable, the first one is there's a seed that is thrown out and it is immediately eaten by birds. And this person, as, as we understand, as, as Jesus explains it, is, is someone who never has, has had the chance to grow up in the gospel. They've never had the chance to know of Jesus Christ. So this is often someone that, you know, either thinks that they are good enough and don't need something other than themselves, or they are someone who might be wandering, looking, and just have not found it, or they might be someone who have found truth in something else, a false gospel. See, we, we, like, we like to think a lot of times that this is someone who just completely rejects the gospel as someone who does not want it. But we have to see that there's, there's so much more to this, this person and their brokenness. A lot of times they don't even know that they are hurting spiritually. A lot of times they don't even know they need Jesus Christ. They might want other things that make them feel good. They might think that those things are good enough to satisfy, to bring hope, but are always eaten by the birds and always finds that whatever pursuits they are after brings them a lack of joy, a lack of peace. So the first bit of brokenness that we see is the one who has never experienced the love of Jesus Christ, who has never seen of his goodness and his mercy, who has never experienced a true peace, whether they completely reject it altogether, they have found something else, or they are wandering, looking for hope. So that is our first bit of brokenness that we experience the next seed that the parable talks about is the seed that has no depth, thrown on, on soil with rock, and withers away in the heat. This person is probably going to be the most common that we see in church today. This is someone who has been exposed to the gospel. There's been a little bit of, of growth, but as life happens and, and, and they, they experience a few things, it just stops. There's no more growth. They might think that they've reached a point and then they're done. They might, might think that it's not good enough for them or they've tried it and, and it might be like, you know, this is just not for me. We, we run across these people all the time. It might be someone that says, oh yeah, I, I go to church. I've been to church for years and Jesus is good. You know, they, they, they seem to have all the, the somewhat good answers, but there is no depth to their knowledge and understanding of his goodness and his glory, and it ends right there. See, that is brokenness because there's, there's no growth beyond, beyond themselves. So the third bit of brokenness is the seed that is swallowed up by thorns. 
This is someone who has been walking faithfully with the Lord a lot of times in, in leadership or have been very encouraging in, in their faith to others and, and are seen as someone who is an authority or an example to God in his word. And then something happens in their life, whether they do something themselves or something happens like a death in the family or, or they are hurt by somebody and these thorns come up, swallow them, and then they walk away. We see this a lot in, in pastors who, who are serving faithfully for years and they might get themselves in trouble or, or someone might attack them and then they are just they are just done. They've got no more strength anymore. And then they leave and don't come back. See, these are often the people that those in the church are most surprised about when they walk away. Like, oh, that person was, was so good. You know, he, he, was, he was such a nice guy or, or she was so sweet. Why, why are they stepping away from the church? Why are they stepping away from the faith? I just don't get it. I thought they were saved, and their salvation is often the ones that is, that is questioned, like maybe they never loved Jesus at all, or, or maybe Jesus never, never, you know, brought them to himself, because the thorns have taken them away. And then the last seed is the seed that was planted on good soil and produces bountiful harvest, but this person, this seed, also understands that they are broken. You see, the seed itself does not grow on its own. The seed needs good soil, that good foundation. The seed needs the rain. The seed needs the sun in order to produce harvest. The seed itself is just a seed. It is all these things outside of its control, outside of its own power, that produces the plant. And Jesus knowing harvest, Jesus knowing farming in, in that culture, and the people who listening listening to him also know what it takes to, to grow crops, understand that the seed is whole until it begins to grow, and then it is broken open and the plant comes forth. See, the seed is never good or enough on its own. So the one who is planted on good soil and, and grows and produces harvest knows that even them in themselves is broken. You see, we were all in one of these points. Some of us switch back and forth. Some of us are, are super solid at certain times and, you know, we get to a point where life is just really kind of beating down on us and, you know, we, we kind of just take a step back and just take it easy for a while and, you know, and then we go back to being good or, or some of us have never truly experienced God's love in the first place and don't even know what growth is, don't even know what it means to be spiritually whole. None of us can look at the other seed or the other person and say, well, my faith is better than theirs. I am, I am less broken than that person. Because when we look at this passage of the Good Samaritan, which we have to know that Jesus who spoke the harvest of the seed also spoke the parable of the Good Samaritan. When we look at the Jew who was injured and broken, it encompasses all of 
these seeds, all who are broken. It makes no distinguishing mark of, you know, his, his faith was, was, you know, it was getting there. So that's why the, the Samaritan came and helped him. Or it doesn't say like, oh, he needed it more than, than the next person down the road. No, his brokenness, which encompasses all these things, was sought out by the good Samaritan. So if we are going to love our neighbor, truly love our neighbor, we must understand our brokenness to know and understand his goodness. And there is also a hope that we see here. Because a lot of times when we, we look at the parable of the, of the sower, we think that's the end-all, be-all. Or like, well, that person is being eaten up by thorns, or that person, they're, they're being eaten up by the bird, so that's, that's it, they're done. But if we look back at Luke 10, we see there is no ending as long as there is breath. Because as long as we are living and breathing and moving, there is hope in Jesus Christ. Our brokenness does not dictate our future. What dictates our future is our hope in Jesus Christ. Our brokenness just shows us where we are at right now. And the Good Samaritan does not decide based on where you are in life. He does not decide whether or not he's going to help you. The Good Samaritan sees the broken, injured Jew down the road from on top of the mountain in the distance and goes to him, picks him up, brings him back to the inn, and makes him well. So no matter where you are in your life, no matter where you are in your brokenness, know that that is not the end. And know that Jesus Christ, who is the Good Samaritan, pursues us to his glory. And that brings us to the next point, which is take heart that Christ pursues you wherever you are at. You see, when we, when we look back at the Good Samaritan, what does he do? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't wait for the injured Jew to kind of pick himself up a little bit, you know, make sure that he can even, uh, you know, walk a little bit on his own, or he doesn't wait to, to see if he, if he even wants help. You know, like, like we often do, like, well, that, that, that person, I don't even think they want to be helped. So I'm just going to let them, you know, hurt themselves, and then whenever they're ready for help, I, I, I'm going to help them. Jesus Christ, he does, he does not do that. We see in this, in this parable that he doesn't wait for us to be ready for help. He doesn't wait for us to want him to come to us. He doesn't wait for us to think we are good enough to be able to follow him. He pursues us in our brokenness. He pursues us where we are at. He sees us from the distance and comes to us. And another thing that he does not do is he does not ask us what we think we did to deserve this brokenness. I think a lot of us fall into that place, and I've had a lot, kind of, a lot of conversations with people who are, you know, following Christ, who are not following Christ, and a lot of them say the same thing, like, I just, I, I don't think I deserve God's love. You know, I'm just, I'm just doing a lot of things wrong, or I've done a lot of things just bad in my life, and, 
you know, like I, I know he, he loves me, but I just don't feel like he should. You know, there's, there's this merit of you, don't, you, know, you might not want him to because you don't deserve it. You see, Christ never asks us if we think we deserve his love because the death on the cross has happened before we were ever born. It was planned before time ever began. So for us to say that we, we should not deserve his love and mercy and grace, that takes away from his power and his might and his glory. To say that before we sinned our first sin, he had already decided that despite what you did or despite who you are, he was going to come down to us. You see, Christ does not wait on our brokenness to get better because he is the one who makes it better. And we also see in this parable that before he came, before the Good Samaritan came, there were a few others that, you know, the, the Jew kind of expected should have taken care of him. So the first, the first guy was, was the priest. So in this case, it was Pastor David comes by you on the side of the road and sees that you're broken and is like, don't have time. I've got sermons to write. I've got, I've got like this like really good Facebook post I got I got to get on, on before I get home. And decides to just step over you and not worth this time. Now he would never do that. I can promise you guys, he's, he's not like that. If you're new, please, please don't judge us. Um, but the one that you know, he he should have been like, the one. You know, he was the priest. He was the, he was the spiritual authority. A lot of times we, we, we get in this mindset that we celebritize certain Christians to say, oh my gosh, they are so holy. They are so perfect. They can do all these things. Everything I am is attributed to this person. And then when something happens in their life or they say something just slightly wrong or something that happens in your life is different than what they say, we we get discouraged, we, we become doubtful, like, well, if that person can't do it, if that person can't help me or save me, if he can't even help himself, then, then what hope do I have? You know, I'm not some big pastor. I, I, I don't have this huge following. So if, if, that, if he can't do it, if she can't do it, then I definitely can't because I'm, I'm nobody. I've got, I've got nothing to my name. Well, neither did the injured Jew as he was broken. And then the other was, was a Levite and another, another person. So second in line, like, well, okay, the, the priest didn't help me. Surely, surely the, the Levite, surely this person will. You know, not, not as good, you know, not as, as authoritative or holy, but they should, they should help me. They should understand a little bit. Oftentimes we, we, uh, we as we are walking with, fellow church members or fellow Christ followers, and we get to a point of brokenness and, you know, we, we might not be helped in the same way that we feel is necessary. We get discouraged. I think a lot of us there are more than, than the first. That, that just, we just got disappointed by someone else in the church, you know, like they screwed up and I don't want to be here anymore. So we fall back into a brokenness of deceit and disunity. 
because surely that person should understand my brokenness. Surely that person should have known what I needed. And when they didn't, we leave. It was not until the Samaritan, the one who should not have helped him, the one who was hated by the Jews. The Samaritan was considered the the bad guy. They were the people that often would just kind of just flip-flop in their own religions. You know, they they didn't really have any consistency of of morality. Uh, They were just not to be respected, not to be trusted, and definitely not to be loved. And it was the, the one person who should not have helped the Jew, who should, who should have had nothing to do with the Jew because they were not like them at all, came from a distance, pursued him, went to him, and helped him, brought him to a place of healing. And thank God that it takes someone who is not like us to bring healing, to bring wholeness. You see, the broken cannot save the broken. All we can do is walk together and point each other to to the one who can save us. It takes the one who is whole and complete, lacks in nothing, needs nothing. It takes him, the good Samaritan, to pursue us and to bring us to a place of rest and hope. So as we are in this passage And as you go back from time to time looking at the Good Samaritan, just know that it is not about us ultimately helping someone out. We're going to get to the the practical point in a moment. But it, it is not about how good we can possibly be. It's about how good he is and how how broken we are and that we must lean on him. We must take heart. To take heart means to to meditate on it, to remember, to focus, and know that it is Christ who pursues us despite who we are, what we've been through, despite our own brokenness. And this, this is how we are to love our neighbor. Not because we've got something that we are better at, not because our faith is better, so we're just gonna, you know, hopefully rub off on them a little bit and, and think that, you know, patting them on the back a little bit, make them feel better is, is all they need. But to know their brokenness, we must understand our own. And to know what they need is to know what we need as well. So understand your brokenness and then take heart knowing that it is Christ that can save us. So this brings us to our final point today. I know I kind of I kind of went through a little little quickly in the in those first two to kind of set the foundation, but we must know how to respond. This is this is the the how to in his in his word. So we must make the souls of people your first concern. And a lot of people struggle with this. They might not admit to it. They might think, oh yeah, obviously someone else's soul is important. But what we have seen time and time again is we get to a point where we think that making them physically comfortable is enough. 
You see, the good Samaritan, who is Jesus Christ, is ultimately not concerned about their physical well-being. Because if we understand that the good Samaritan is Jesus Christ, we must understand that he is ultimately concerned about the spiritual well-being of all of us. You see, he, he doesn't think that, you know, if, if they just get a better job, then, then they'll be fine. They don't need anything else. Or, or if their car is taken care of or their mortgage is paid, then, then they'll be fine and leaves us to our own demise. Because that goes back to following after things that we, we think will bring salvation or we think will bring comfort and ultimately bring us to destruction so to make the souls of people our, our main concern, we must look and know that Jesus Christ, first and foremost, desires salvation from us. As a church, we miss the mark when we make it about charity. And hear, hear me what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we, we cannot give to help people. I'm not saying that we cannot rescue those who are in need of, of paying bills or, or who might need clothing after their house burned down or they might need a, a ride to work. I'm not saying that these are not things that we should be doing. But I'm saying that we should be doing these things so that they may know of the love of Jesus Christ. See, when we give, it's not about their comfort here on earth. It's about their comfort in eternity with him. The two uh, ministries that we give to, Aslam and uh, the Child Freedom Coalition, they do this well. If you want a good example of uh, giving for the sake of salvation, we don't need to look further than Aslam, who is a, who's, a, uh, who's training pastors in, in Pakistan, rescuing slaves so that they may hear and have the opportunity to know of Jesus Christ. And the Child Freedom Coalition, who are going and rescuing uh, children, child slaves, so that they may be brought in and taken care of, so that they may know that Jesus Christ loves them. And see, these, these things, Aslam and, and the Freedom Coalition, they're not coming from a place of just freeing them from salvation, I mean, from, a, uh, from slavery and saying, all right, you're on your own. They're coming from a place like, you need Jesus Christ, and I'm going to bring you to a place where you see the love of Jesus. When we give and when we help, it's so that they can see Christ's love through us. We are the ambassadors of Jesus. So when we give, when we give to charity, when we, when we help those in need, we must remember and be intentional that they know it is because of Jesus. They must know that it is because of his love that has been lavished on us that we see here in the parable of the Good Samaritan. And just like the Good Samaritan, we must show them that it is not a one and done deal. You see, Jesus in the Good Samaritan, he, he not only picks him up, but puts him on his, on his own animal and walks alongside. So, so he is carrying the injured Jew for a while. 
Sometimes we think that if we just help someone just to get them to a certain point, then that's enough. What's really hard is walking with someone for a while until they know Jesus loves them. You see, this is a long and treacherous path that we see here in the passage. And it is definitely not comfortable for the Samaritan to walk it. And not only walk it, but walk with extra weight on his animal to get to someplace else that he's not even probably going to. Sometimes it takes that sacrifice and longevity so that that person that we are helping knows that Christ does not give up. Christ does not care what you have done or who you are. As our neighbor, if we're going to truly love our neighbor, we must walk the distance as uncomfortable and sacrificial as it might be, not because we need to be comforted, not because we need a pat on our back, but because they need Jesus Christ. You know, we are all broken. We have been at a certain point where we needed someone to walk us to the point of knowing Jesus. Don't just give, don't just pick someone up and say, okay, you're on your own. Walk them to the end. Take care of them until they are ready to walk on their own. So let's not, let's not miss the mark. And guys, I know as a church we are doing this well. We are not just helping someone and letting them go. But we must be careful that we don't get comfortable saying we've done good. Because the goodness of Jesus Christ lasts until the day we die and then into eternity. So as long as we are here on earth, the goodness that we share and show others does not end with a certain and one moment. So it is the greater purpose of leading others to Christ. And another thing that we must understand that as we are pursuing those who are broken spiritually, that, that as, as the Good Samaritan has done, we, we don't just bury someone when they are not doing well. You know, the Good Samaritan doesn't see someone who is half dead on his way to die if no one helps him and say, I'll wait. I'll, I'll wait until you're just done and then I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and give you your, your funeral we struggle with that sometimes, especially someone who seems to be doing so well and, and is in leadership in church, and then, and then spiritually they become broken and oftentimes spiritually dead. And it is easier for us to say, good luck. It is easier, easier for us to say, I gotta focus on myself. We cannot bury those who are broken. We cannot bury those who are spiritually dead. Because like Christ who pursues us in any facet of our lives, there is no distinguishing whether or not they deserve our help. We do not have the authority, we do not have the capability to say, not yet. We don't, we don't have the authority to say, Get a few things in order, and then, then I'm going to help you. Do a few things for yourself first. I need to know that you really want this. I really need to know that you, you are going to try at least 
before I help you. Because the glory of God, the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ finds us where we are at. And if we are going to find people where they're at, we are bringing that glory to them. And if you want God to be glorified, if you want them to see his love and to worship our loving Savior, then we don't wait, we don't distinguish who, when, why. We go, we love, we pursue. And I'm gonna go ahead and and speak to the introverts in the room because I'm an introvert, and this part of, of loving people is dreadful. It is so much easier to just send money and say, they've got it. I got you, I got you. It is so much easier to say, the pastor is so much better at sharing the gospel than me. He's got way more answers than me. So I'm gonna give money and then they've got it. And I'm not just talking about mission trips. I'm not just talking about, you know, going over somewhere else to serve. I'm talking about in everyday life, as we are surrounded by broken everywhere, every single person, we find it easier just to push someone else to do it. And there's a beautiful thing when we talk about the church is you don't have to do it alone. If you are someone who just really struggles, you know, just having the, the, the peace and the comfort to go to someone with the gospel, go with someone who will literally share the gospel to a brick wall. Someone who will talk to absolutely anybody and, and go together and do it together. As a church, we are not alone. As, as, the, as the individual, yes, there are shortcomings in your life where you are not good enough to do this. First and foremost, that's why we have Jesus who is good enough to do all things through us. And second, that's why he has given us the church so that we can do it together. So for those of us, including myself in the list, who are introverts and you know, might struggle a little bit just going to someone, it doesn't have to be a stranger, even someone you love, and just having a hard time having that conversation of Jesus, bring someone else in who does not have that same struggle, who, who is desiring to do that with you. Because if we are truly pursuing Christ and pursuing the broken, then those who have no problem talking to inanimate objects will have no problem going with you. And for those of us those of you extroverts in here who would rather just talk to people rather than doing the hard work of taking care of someone else, go with those who don't mind laboring. Because even in that, if you just bring and talk about Jesus without taking care of them, then they don't think that you love them. And sometimes that might be true. And in return, they might not think that Jesus is actually worth it because they're at a point where they need something and they might not know they need Jesus. And if you bring them something that they are not uh, thinking that they, they need, then you've lost your chance. 
Guys, we are the church. And there is no scenario, there is no opportunity that we face that we cannot do together. We all, if we are truly followers of Jesus Christ, we've all got the power and we have the glory that we have access to. So pursue that first and pursue together the broken and the lost and the dead so that they may see the same power and glory and mercy that we get to experience. So worship team, you guys can come on up and I, I want us to remember these things as we look to loving our neighbor. It's easy to say, yes, everybody's our neighbor. That's an easy truth to understand. You know, they're all surrounding us. They're all here. It's easy to say, yeah, everybody needs Jesus. But if we're going to practically and biblically pursue those who are broken and down, we must know that we are also broken and down. The only thing that makes a difference is Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or what you are currently pursuing because Jesus finds us where we are at. And I love the response of Jesus at the very end. So he says, so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And in the lawyer's bitterness, he says, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. If we're going to love our neighbor, we must do as our neighbor Jesus Christ has done for us. We can't make up our own rules. We can't decide what's best for us. We must go and do as Jesus Christ has done for us and has done for others. Know your brokenness. Know his goodness. And go after the broken, not because we want them to feel comfortable on this earth, but we want them to know glory. We want them to know grace and know mercy. And we want them to know Jesus Christ. Do all these things so that he may be glorified and that they may come to salvation. This is the anthem of our soul.